Amen. Today's scripture comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 22 through 27. Then Moses led, the, led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them to put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who healed you. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Happy New Year. Now, Epiphany was yesterday, but last week we celebrated Epiphany with that one service at 10 o'clock, and we all wore our festive wear, and it was a lot of fun. This is the first sermon of 2024, and I'm excited for those of us on site as well as those who are worshiping with us online, especially as we consider in this new year what it means to let it flow. Now, last fall, I was contemplating a New Year's sermon series. I even talked to Alan Hansen about it. And the themes that were twirling around my mind were themes about wilderness and journey. And then the Spirit led me to do a word search on scriptures with the word water, and thus this series was birthed. Let It Flow is going to be a narrative series that's going to take us from the Old Testament to the New Testament, journeying with God's people as they were thirsting for water as well as for righteousness. What can we learn from our faith ancestors about trusting God to provide for our needs, and how did they get to that place where they could claim the living water for themselves? Today, we join God's people as they were stuck in the wilderness with no water. And then they ended up with bitter water, asking, what are we to drink? Their question and God's response invites us to reflect on what we are thirsting for in this new year and how we can trust in God to provide it. So you are invited to follow along as we dig into God's word today. You may use the Pew Bible or you may have your own personal Bible or a Bible app. Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word, open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst, and open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Sometimes life is too complicated, and all you need to do is to just let it flow. This seems to be very true for God's people in the wilderness, and my guess that it is true for many of us much of the time. Let it flow then becomes a mantra for allowing a situation to occur or progress naturally without obstruction. Yet it often reminds us that we are rarely in control and that we need to trust and to believe that there is a natural flow to life. Through this new series, you and I are going to remember the past, embrace the present, and we're also going to lean into the future. 
we're going to adopt the phrase, let it flow, as we trust God to provide for our needs and to lead us to the preferred future that God has for us. Now, preceding our focus passage is this beautiful song of Moses and Miriam that the people sang about what they had just experienced. God's people had been released from captivity in Egypt, where they were enslaved and where they were oppressed. We remember that Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go until they had experienced plague after plague. It was only when the firstborn were killed in Egypt would Pharaoh tell Moses to leave with his people and their flocks and their herds. Then Pharaoh's army even followed the people out of Egypt, which led to their death. So God's people delivered from Pharaoh and his army, sang their praise to the Lord, including the words, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Chapter 15, verse 2. And then 15, verse 11. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. In one of the commentaries that I consulted in preparation for this message, I read, and I quote, It is not enough for the people of God to sing. They must also learn to listen to their God and follow the divine leading. That was indeed a lesson for God's people in our passage, where we see this pattern of behavior in the biblical narrative, where God's people are in the wilderness and they have a problem, they have a complaint. Someone intercedes for them, and they experience deliverance. So let's dig into this word and go to verse 22. Moses led the people to the desert of Shur. You and I might find it very interesting that in Hebrew, the name Shur means wall. It is as, as, it is as if the people hit this wall, a proverbial wall, and we know what the wall was that they faced, and that was they had no water. In fact, for three days, God's people had traveled without finding water. This wasn't just a wall. This was a big problem. Now, physically speaking, it's believed that people can survive for around three days without water. Modern wilderness guides often refer to the rule of three, saying that a person can live three minutes without oxygen, three days without water, and three weeks without food. So for the people Israel, being without water was this huge issue, but providing water for all of the people was a tremendous task. Estimates suggest that the exodus from Egypt included over 600,000 men plus wives and children totaling up to possibly 2 million plus people. Those who've tried to piece this story together and imagine the Exodus suggest that God's people could have formed a column that was 144 miles long. We can hardly fathom this. And then we even know that they lost several people along the way too. Still, providing water for that many people was going to be a challenge. Then according to verse 23, when they came to Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. Mara literally means bitter. Now, I was trying to think about what this bitter taste would be like. Common bitter foods to us include coffee, unsweetened cocoa, 
bitter gourd, citrus peel, cheese, some varieties of olives, and even greens like dandelion. Now, now that we can imagine this bitter taste in our mouths, imagine what it would be like for God's people to drink water that tasted bitter. In fact, we can imagine that one person tasted the water and said, yuck, this water tastes bitter. Here, you try it too, <laughs> right? But we can't be surprised in verse 24 that the people grumbled against Moses. What are we to drink? It was kind of a rhetorical question, wasn't it? They were saying, we cannot, we will not drink this bitter water. Now, we may be spoiled in our day to have never tasted bitter water. We have so many different kinds of water to drink, including flavored water, sparkling waters, or as Leah put it, bougie water. And in our corner of the world, we have safe and clean water that's in abundance. But after Moses heard the grumbling about the bitter water, verse 25, Moses cried out to the Lord in prayer. He interceded on behalf of the people. And then a piece of wood was shown to him. Notice that the Lord God did not command Moses to pick up that, that stick, that piece of wood, and to do anything with it. But Moses instinctively threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Now this water would be tolerable to drink and to quench the physical thirst of the people Israel. Perhaps even the water tasted sweet like the honey that is described in the word of God. This would literally give the people a taste of what they were longing for, to go into that land that was flowing with milk and with honey. Now after tasting something bitter, we crave something sweeter. It soothes our taste buds and even our mood. And our passage reveals to us that the water became fit to drink. But it's interesting that it doesn't tell us how the people felt. Here, before this passage, they were singing and they were praising God. Now they had sweet water. And we don't hear how they responded. But after three days, most likely the people were at that desperate place for life-giving water. They had to be grateful that the water was now fit to drink. The remainder of verse 25 says that right there at Mara, that bitter tasting place, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them to be put to the test. And then verse 26, the Lord responds to God's people, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. If. It's a powerful little word, isn't it? Hear this again. If the people would listen carefully, if they would do what is right, if they would pay attention to the commands, and if they would keep the decrees, then God's people wouldn't experience those diseases that the Egyptians experienced. Yikes. Do you remember those ugly plagues? There were plagues of blood and frogs and gnats and flies and locusts and boils, etc. And with those plagues came diseases that caused much distress for those Egyptians. God's people watched in horror and in awe as those plagues affected their enemies. 
This was indeed a lesson for the people of Israel that if they lived in obedience to the Lord God, they would be delivered time and time again. But perhaps we don't like the word obedience. But we understand what it means to be obedient to laws and rules and guidelines. We need them to live with a sense of order and harmony. Spiritually speaking, when we live in obedience to God's commands, especially the one to love God and to love neighbor, we experience the much-needed fruits of the Spirit. Joy and love and peace and perseverance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But again, let's remember the biblical narrative that reveals to us that, that pattern God's people experience a problem, and then there's a complaint. They need someone to intercede on behalf of them, and then they are delivered. But even within that pattern, there's a beautiful sense of, of divine responsiveness. We see that in our passage in both the people's need as well as to the prayer of Moses. God was not distant and far away. God was immediately engaged in the situation because God is always working for good in everything. It was important for God's people to hear the last part of what the Lord God said as recorded in verse 26. It's equally important for us. For I am the Lord who heals you. And our faith ancestors had many names for the one that they just heard from. God, Elohim. God Most High, El Elyon, Lord, Adonai, God Almighty, El Shaddai, God Everlasting, El Elohim, God the One Who Sees, El Roy, God the God of Israel, El Elohe, Israel, the Lord our provision, Yahweh Jireh, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabaoth. And now God's people have a new name for God, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God provided something in the natural order so that Moses could participate in providing what the people needed to heal their water and thus to heal them. Perhaps there was even something special about that piece of wood that was able to sweeten the bitter water too. Even today we know that nature heals. There's so many resources within creation that can provide healing to illnesses and diseases. God continues to work in the world, allowing discoveries to be made that provide healing mercies. And at the end of our passage, we hear in verse 27, Then God's people came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped near the water. The Bible often gives us deeper meaning to what we read in here, 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Those are symbolic, numeric signs that, that God provided everything that the people needed. 12 represents the 12 tribes of Israel. 70 is a sacred number representing perfect, complete order. And in this case, God provided clean and fresh water in abundance. And then... God's people stopped grumbling and murmuring. They trusted in the Lord God forever and ever. Amen. Yes? No. <laughs> because we hear right after this story in chapter 16 that God's people traveled to the desert of sin. 
the whole community grumbled again against Moses and Aaron, saying, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Why? Because in Egypt they had meat, and they ate all the food they wanted, even as they were facing oppression. How quickly the people went from singing God's praises to grumbling again and again. They forgot that God would provide for their needs. And so in that moment, God provided manna, that bread from heaven that had a hint of honey taste, as well as quail for them to eat. And we know the story. They weren't very happy with that either. These stories of our faith ancestors remind us of the human condition. Humans are prone to complain and to grumble. Humans are prone to want more than they receive. Today, you and I might not suffer from bitter water, but if we're honest, what we have is not always enough. And yet, we cannot close our eyes to the greater world and its walls and its problems. Worldwide, lack of safe and clean water means illness, disease, and premature death. According to the Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church, 668 million people lack access to clean water for everyday tasks as well as for agricultural purposes. More than 1,000 children die every single day because of contaminated water, poor sanitation, and unsafe hygiene conditions and practices. We have to trust that God is going to be at work even through us to address these issues around the world. As United Methodists, we support the United Methodist Committee on Relief, also known as UMCOR, and they even have a program that's called WASH, Water, Sanitation, and Hygiene. It's to address that need for safe and clean water. We rarely have to ask that question, what are we to drink? So we can be thankful for the work that is done on our behalf. And we can certainly pray about the ways that God is calling us to respond to the world's needs. And while we may not be physically thirsting for clean water, you and I may be spiritually thirsting in this new year. I have to say that with everything that happened in my life this past year, and, as, and on behalf of my family, I have to admit that there were moments in the past six months that I felt dry. And honestly, when I am dry, I start to grumble and complain. And then I need a Moses to cry out on my behalf. When I feel this way, I need to recommit myself to those spiritual practices that keep me grounded and that keep me focused. Each year, I choose a word to guide me, and this year's word is intention. I want to be intentional, personally and professionally. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and of course, spiritually. I want to make better choices with my thoughts and my words and my actions for myself, for my family, and for my church family. As lead pastor for Faith Westwood, I too want to join in your vision to become deep, daring, and daily disciples. That takes intention, doesn't it? And a reminder that if we are physically and spiritually thirsty, we need to trust God to provide for our needs. Even so, God knows that there are moments when we are going to grumble, just like our faith ancestors. Did you know, though, that there is a solution to grumbling? 
Did you know that? It's called gratitude. Gratitude is defined as being thankful, being ready to show appreciation, and being prepared to return kindness. Even though they had a hard time showing it, those Israelites would remember their song of praise again. And they would demonstrate gratitude to God for being delivered and for the opportunity to be obedient. And especially for God being the one who heals. In this new year, if you ever feel a little grumbly about the bitter water in your life, try gratitude. Write down your gratitude, maybe in like a gratitude journal. Share your gratitude with someone else because it can heal a multitude of complaints and it just might inspire you to let it flow. Again, sometimes life becomes too complicated and all you need to do is just to let it flow. Through this new series, may we adopt this phrase. May we trust God to provide for our needs. And may God lead us into the future. As we journey together, claim gratitude and let it flow. Amen.